The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Columbia Academy, Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoyt with United Country Realty, the law office of David A. Bates, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yao. Welcome back into the show this Tuesday edition here. Coming to you live from the front porch on 315 West 7th Street in Columbia, Tennessee. Having a great day and hoping you guys are as well. Thank you to the Spring Hill Raider backers who are congratulating us on our first year anniversary. And uh, you are welcome for our support in recognizing high school athletic programs in Middle Tennessee. <laughs> they said thank you, so I guess the proper response is you're welcome, I guess. But, glad uh, to do it. And we, and we are. We, uh, we are very glad to do it. So happy uh, that you guys uh, have helped us get to this point. That's the most important thing. So. And among those helping us get to this point are Jones and Lang Sporting Goods. Absolutely. You cannot forget Jones and Lang Sporting Goods. These since, folks. Since 1966, outfitting you from T-ball to college, as they say. And for some, a little further. <laughs> and, and probably some of the same folks in T-ball and in college. So. That, that's true. We've, we've, we've seen some pictures. <laughs> yeah. So. Seen some pictures. I mean. Uh, I know Shaq Mason had some baseball uniforms in the Little League and uh, on up. On up. Speaking of Little League. Speaking of Little League. Nice segue there. Um, so if you're looking for the – if you've gotten used to listening to the Braves on our sister station, 103.7, get unused to it because tonight they won't be on because Columbia American Little League – Majors began play last night, and they will air, I guess, a doubleheader starting at 6 tonight. Is is Lou Maddox Mike's side for that? Is that what I, I do understand? believe so. So, so um, no Braves tonight. Um, but local, little league action. There you Be go. Be on the air about 5.50-ish, 5.55. And then first pitch at 6 p.m. So, going to be a lot of fun. Um be worth getting out there if you have not, because the the uh, the food trucks food are trucks. fantastic. Uh, station manager Clayton Harris's team will uh, take the field at seven thirty. So, ironically enough, look, are, are all of Clayton's games on Tuesday nights? 
don't think so. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I check on. I check that schedule. Check yeah. that schedule. Yeah. Anyway, the Braves coming off of an eight-seven win last night over the Cubs in the opening game of the four-game series at Truist Park, and and as Chris said in the first hour, we can actually stomach Braves conversation this morning because yesterday we could not. We almost couldn't though. Thank goodness for. Don't say it. For uh, the long ball. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know where you were going with no, that. No, thank goodness for the long ball because, uh, of course, I mean, again, Braves, we, with, Braves with four in the first, they, they really like to jump on the Cubs early. Had six in the first against Well, them. they have to jump on them early yeah, to keep up. Just to keep up. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, Dansby Swanson with a home run. Yeah, You know, it's funny because he, he brought up the Sage yesterday. He was. He was. I'm, I didn't get to see the game because I was busy in Santa Fe. But I was watching um, Twitter and I was seeing the Sage references. And so he saged the the clubhouse, the the field, the field, the outfield, okay. the outfield, and the clubhouse because must wake up bats. Dansby, Pedro Serrano, Swanson, huh? Okay. It's funny because I actually made a tweet about that yesterday. I, um, I don't let's see here. Some Someone, ah, it was the Braves. They posted the lineup, and I posted a, a, a gif of, or a gif, whatever it is, mm-hmm. of Serrano have to wake up bats. So... <laughs> Well, at least they didn't sacrifice any chickens, I guess. So. <laughs> or, or go to KFC, apparently. Uh, but, yeah, so that was interesting. Uh, yeah, big big, big night offensively for the Atlanta Braves. Um, let's just say that Ronald Acuna's strikeout looking was questionable at best. <laughs> let's, I, I'm pretty sure it's about two baseballs below his knees. Oh, and uh, Acuna got hit again yesterday. And he got hit again, so it's two uh, days in a row. Well, it's it's what he gets for crowding the plate. <laughs> I just at some point he's going to go to the mound. I and could, who could blame him when he does? But he's going to go to the mound and he's going to get suspended and hopefully somebody can catch him before he gets there because somebody could get hurt. Well, as it's just unfortunate that I just don't know it how it continues to happen. Yeah, I don't know how it continues to happen. Again, two days in a row, two different teams. And it's not like, yeah, it's not like he pimped a home run or something. Like it was just he just got hit. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is what it is. Ian Anderson, one and zero with a three point two seven ERA, went six and two thirds in his last start against the Yankees, which at that time was the longest outing for any Brave starter. So he's looking to back that up tomorrow uh, tonight against Trevor Williams. Williams has a four six six ERA, so that should be fine. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, yes. I was gonna say something. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say something about our birthday uh, because today is our birthday. But we just got a text. I, Jeff Pennington down at WZYX. 61 years old today, still growing strong. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Jeff that's 61, not ZYX, but either or, congratulations for making it there. Um, do you want to go ahead and do Braves history before we get to the Preds? 
That's probably a good idea. That's probably a good idea. Do yeah. this day in Braves history. This day in Braves history on April 27, 1971, Braves outfielder Hank Aaron joins Babe Ruth and Willie Mays as the only major leaguers to hit 600 career home runs. Aaron's historic homer, a 350-foot drive over the left-foot wall, 350. That was shorter than Austin Riley's home run up at Yankee Stadium over the weekend. Anyway, Aaron's historic homer, a 350-foot drive over the left-field wall, comes off Gaylord Perry in the That's third inning. Interesting. A couple of Hall of Famers there. In the third inning of a 6-5, 10-inning loss to the Giants at the launching pad, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Ronnie's first inning hit would have been a home run at Yankee Stadium <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> but if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, there you go. We'd all have a Merry Christmas. If a frog had wings, wouldn't bump its butt every time it jumped. Yeah. And if you'd like to sponsor this day in Braves history, we can let you do that. We can make it happen. We know a guy. We know all the guys. Every yeah. one of them. Um, give us a call here at the radio station at 931-388-1017 or reach out to either Chris or I at sports at sm-tnsports.com. We can make it happen. No doubt, no doubt. All right, Um. so last night, was not expecting this, the Nashville Predators, a 4-1 winner. Nashville Predators. <laughs> Over the Florida Panthers. Uh, huge, <laughs> huge win in the standings. Huge. Because the, the, the Dallas Stars also won. And they play two additional games. They have two games more than the Predators have on their schedule. Now, they're not, hmm. not – like they just haven't played those they, – they, the Preds have played 50 and the Stars have played 48. I mean, it's – they just have two, two more two games, more to, games play. to play. Um, the Preds and Stars play Thursday, Saturday. Saturday. A if 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 the Preds can hold serve until Saturday, they could really give themselves a cushion mm -hmm. uh, with a win on Saturday over Dallas. But last night, you say Soros, that dude is not human. Twenty. One saves in 22 saves in the second period alone. This just goes to show that Pred's defense is awful. That's what I was getting They're ready to awful. say. I mean, the fact that he had to make 22 saves in a period doesn't say much for the guys in front of him. And there, here's the thing is – That's 22 shots in 20 minutes. <laughs> exactly. It blows my mind because – this is a team that has never been able to handle the puck well. We have one or two guys who handle the puck. Forsberg, pretty good. Johansson, okay. Everybody else, it's like me trying to dribble against an NBA team. Like, that's what it looks like to me. Nobody out there well, how many has – How many point guards do you want a team to have? You have to Get be the a, puck and get it to <laughs> – And that's, that sounds like a great theory, but – you still have to, those guys aren't playing all the time. They're not playing 60 minutes. <laughs> so you got to have somebody out there. I'm being terribly facetious. I know, uh, but it just it it's so frustrating to watch this team 
dump and chase all the time. Like because, they, because they can't handle the puck. Because they can't handle the puck. And it's so frustrating when you're watching this team and you're like, we have really good shooters. We have some guys who can, who can shoot the puck. But we can't get it to them. And on defense, we have nobody willing to get in front of the puck. It hurts. I don't care. <laughs> That's your job. You do have pads. Plenty of them. <laughs> That's the point. It's, oh. <laughs> anyway. The Stars play again tonight, right? Weren't they playing back-to-backs against uh, the Hurricanes? Yes, they played back. They play back-to-back. Uh, so that's going to be tough. That'll be a tough one for them. That to, to get a win over Carolina at all was solid. But I, I just to get two. To get two in two days. Yeah, that'll be tough. Um, Roman Yossi tied Shea Weber for third place on the Predators' all-time scoring list last night. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, at four forty-three, Martin Erat and Dave Legwand obviously have the most points. Legwand has five sixty-six. I don't think you may catching him uh, in the near future so yeah so a great night for the Preds as far as offensively and for obviously UC Soros who apparently decided that you know he was just gonna save 39 of 40 shots <laughs> another Serrano reference I do it myself <laughs> 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 Screw you, Joe Boo. <laughs> um, the, the Predators conversely had uh, 27 shots on goal. For the game. Four of them <laughs> for went the game? in. Though. Yes, for the game. They had 27 shots for the game, <laughs> and the Panthers had tw- 22 in, in a period? In a period. Okay. So there's that. Uh, it's 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 frustrating to watch, man. It, it's it's not fun. It's it's almost like the Luke Jackson experience for twenty straight minutes. <laughs> and it's 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 not good for you. It's not good for the heart. It's really not. Very so, very Luke Jackson ish, no doubt. And we're not going to talk about the other guy, <laughs> the Fresh Prince. Ah. Oh. You're right. But big win for the Preds. They continue to roll uh, two wins in a row, so congratulations. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have Michelle Vopel of ESPN.com. We're going to talk about Kim Mulkey and the LSU slash Baylor situation and uh, what that means for Southeastern Conference because women's basketball now looking mighty fine. Uh, So we'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stick around. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you.
Covering the teams you care about, it's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Once again, with Mo, here's Chris. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, Coach Mike on the controls. 23 minutes past the 10 o'clock hour here in Columbia, Tennessee. Coming to you live from the front porch as we celebrate one year of sm-tnsports.com. I think that was the, uh, the voice that Dan said don't use. Dot com. <coughs> don't do that. Don't do that, Chris. Just be natural. Natural works. Yeah, it works. I, I hope it does anyway. Natural. Because I don't have one of those voices. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're so excited to be with you here today, and we hope that you will join us on the front porch. From 1130 to 1 o'clock today, we will have some JJ's Barbecue in the house. We will have maybe some cake, hopefully, if, if we're lucky. Um, but, yes, please come join us. We'll be out here. Will we have any wings for T. Uh, Willie? You know, no, we'll probably have to make him pick up his own. Uh <laughs> We already we already settled that bet. There we go. We already settled that bet. No. Uh, but thank you guys so much for hanging out with us here on this Tuesday edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. We are so excited to uh, welcome to the Parks Motor Sales Hotline uh, ESPN.com writer uh, for women's basketball especially, um, Michelle Vopel. Michelle, welcome in, and thanks for joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, Michelle, um, wanted to check in with you because we figured if anybody could give us a little little backstory, a little insight into this weekend's news of Kim Mulkey stepping away from a Baylor program that she had won three national championships with to go home and take over the LSU program, it would be you. So no pressure there. Yeah, you know um, – <laughs> It, 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 I think it surprised a lot of people in certain ways, and then when you kind of go through it and knowing Kim Mulkey's personality, it, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, basically, you know, she said uh, yesterday, she, you know, in, the, in the sort of the combo pep rally press conference that they had at uh, uh, in Baton Rouge, that it was a chance for her to go back home, if you will. She, she grew up um, very near Baton Rouge. And this is, you know, her opportunity to, you know, finish her career um, in her home state. But as you can guess, I think a lot of people are wondering if, if she had some friction, um, you know, with Baylor's president and, and athletic director. And I think probably she did. I, I think over time um, they, they, they disagreed on certain things. And it, it may have been a situation where she just, you know, she felt like, hey, I've, I've got this a place to go that is home for me that is really going to sort of um, bathe me in a lot of love and a lot of attention and, and, a, and a lot of things that will feel really good. And it'll also give me this chance to uh, to prove to everybody I can do this again. You know, I did it at Baylor and I can do it again. And if you know Kim, she's probably one of the most competitive people I probably have ever come across. So I think all of those things um, kind of came together to, to, 
you know, for this to happen. You know, and, and, and we all want to be loved and we all want to feel wanted. And sometimes when you don't feel that way, that um, creates things. But there had to be a position for her to go to at LSU. Um, it hasn't been announced yet, but I mean, is it is it just a given that Nikki Fargus is going to take over the um, the top spot with the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA, Michelle? It, it certainly seems that way, and that's been an interesting thing too, because it was you know sort of first rumored almost two weeks ago that that she was going to take that job, but it was not officially announced that she was leaving her LSU job until this past Friday. So it's been one of the weirder things I've seen in terms of. You know, there were so many rumors. There was a lot of people speculating long before Kim Mulkey took the job that she was going to take the job. So, you know, you there's those um, hiring. For instance, Oklahoma women's basketball went through a hiring where they really didn't have any leaks versus LSU where it was it was just nonstop. You know, it was a nonstop stream of, of leaks, if you will. And everybody sort of knew it was happening, and then it was a matter of if she was going to do it or not and you kind of felt like the fact that she wasn't shutting down any of the talk meant that she was going to do it we're speaking on the parks motor sales hotline with michelle vopel of espn.com um michelle how do you feel like this went down or how did it go down i mean how did the dots connect do you think kim reached out to lsu being a little unhappy with her situation at Baylor? Do you think Scott Woodward actually picked up the phone and called her? I mean, who initiated what? I mean, I don't yeah. I don't think those dots would ordinarily connect even with her background. Yeah, I think the way that she described it was that, that Scott had called her this past week, but I don't think it was, it's unlikely um, that, that um, let me say this. Obviously, her son Kramer played baseball at LSU and still has very close ties to the school and 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 the coaching staff there. So I can't imagine that there wasn't some kind of communication that went to say, "Hey, I'd be willing to listen to this." And so I think that was probably the case. As you guys know, LSU is going through some difficult things right now, and and they're not going to be over with for a while. They have two major lawsuits they're facing now, dealing with. Um, essentially dealing with Title IX issues, the behavior of Les Miles while he was coached there, the way that was covered up. Um, And I think LSU, and I'm just trying to be uh, realistic here, obviously they want their women's basketball program to win, but I also think they saw this as a public relations move to bring in, you know, such a famous name, somebody who is, I feel like, is a guaranteed winner. I mean, she's done that all her life, everywhere she's been. And maybe it really was a timing situation. She was feeling a little bit, um, if you will, un- unappreciated. And, and maybe that, that was in her mind. You, know, you guys know how coaches are. <laughs> they can sometimes feel this way, whether it's happening or not. Um, there's been debate at Baylor about where they're going to build their new basketball arena. And Kim's the kind of person that if she felt like she wasn't being listened to on that, that would have made her upset. So I think, like you said, there's, it, it's not like a straight line of dots. It's a zigzag line. And if the timing hadn't happened when it did, this probably wouldn't have taken place. But it, it did happen this way. And it's especially interesting when you think about it. She's going in the Naismith Hall of Fame uh, next month, and she's changing jobs. 
I, I, I can hardly think of anybody who's ever been in a position like that before, where they're being inducted into a Hall of Fame as a coach, and they're about to start a new job. And I guess you'll be wearing purple and gold for that induction instead of <laughs> green and gold. Now, um, we're speaking on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with Michelle Vopel of ESPN.com. Um, you know, Michelle, the Southeastern Conference has long been looked upon as the bellwether of women's basketball. That may not necessarily be the case in 2021 that maybe it was 20 or 25 years ago, but when you bring a Kim Mulkey into a league that's already got a a Gary Blair, that's already got a Dawn Staley, that's got some of the coaching titans that it has, <laughs> certainly doesn't get any easier, does it? No, it, it doesn't. And I think you're you're right. And I've always believed this. The SEC, even when it's not quote unquote the best, tends to be the most interesting. It just it has this history. It has these rivalries. It has the I still feel sure. like you know, the, the greatest person in, in Pat Summit that, that was there. So I think that if there's still so much electricity around the conference. Um meanwhile, where does Baylor go? <laughs> yeah, that is the question. Are they going to be willing to pay enough money to pry somebody from a Power Five away? Especially this kind of late in the game, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, as we know, a lot of these, the, the coaching carousel happens more March and early April. Uh, are they going to do that, or are they going to go in-house um, with you know, to one of the two assistants that's still there, or are they going to look toward, you know, a, a head coach who isn't at a power five who's ready for a jump up? And I don't know at this point what their what their thought is on that process. They have the money, I think, if they want to, to go after another power five head coach. But will they will they decide that's what they want to do right now? They're really facing an interesting time because she built that program. From the ground up, they'd never been to an NCAA tournament before she got there. Uh, she's iconic with the program. How do you follow that? Yeah, I, I think you know one of the most interesting quotes that she had was, you know, when I looked up in the rafters and saw the banners that say Final Four, none of them say National Champion, and that's what she came there to do. That's a little different than the situation she took over at Baylor, and it's important to note that, you know, that's. She's walking into a program with a little bit of tradition, a little bit of history, a little bit of, uh, I guess, some some money and, and thoughts behind it, people who, who will support it if there's something to support. Yeah, you're, you're, it's very different because at Baylor, there are no expectations. At Baylor, getting to the NCAA tournament was a celebration. But over 21 years, she built it toward the expectation was contending for national championships. At LSU, as you said, they had that, those five straight trips to the Final Four and couldn't make a championship game. There's one thing left to do for LSU basketball, and that's win a national championship. And that's that's what she's going in. You know, she didn't shy away from that. She's like, this is the goal going here. Very similar, actually, to what Vic Schaefer said going into Texas. You know, and I think when you're at that level of coaching – you have to believe that that's your goal and, and anything less is going to be, um, you know, not acceptable. And to bring it full circle, Michelle, um, as a Louisiana native, 
you know, she knows she knows the legacy that Sue Gunter left there and, and Pokey Chapman following her and that kind of thing. And so she knows what LSU basketball at its best looks like, um, which I would think kind of gives her a leg up on possibly anybody else that would be coming in there. Exactly. And she's she's recruited out of LSU, obviously. Kalani Brown and Moon Erson are just two of the most recent players. So, excuse me, out of Louisiana. She's recruited out of Louisiana very well, obviously recruited Texas well, can recruit nationally. And, and she understands, I think, very much what, you know, even though she hasn't coached in the SEC, I mean, she certainly grew up watching, um, you know, knowing about SEC basketball all the years she was at Louisiana Tech going against Tennessee while she was at Louisiana Tech. So um, she, she really does know the landscape, even though, as, as you guys know, the landscape's changed some. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of new coaches or newer coaches in the SEC, and, and the big dog in the SEC without question is South Carolina. So that's who she's going to have to compete against, and, and I think she relishes that. Speaking on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with Michelle Vopel of ESPN.com, Michelle, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you while, you while we had you, shifting gears from Baton Rouge for a second, what's your read on Shea Ralph to Vanderbilt? She, you, couldn't, you couldn't find anybody who has much more experience with championships. You know, obviously winning them as a player, winning a ton um, as an assistant coach, I think it's a really good hire because I think she was ready for a head coaching job. She's had a lot of responsibilities at UConn during her time there, and she really knows how to develop players. The key I always feel like with Vanderbilt is, um, and, and actually Missouri kind of the same way, um, is you have to develop your own identity in, inside the SEC. For so many years, I think, where Vanderbilt was successful was they didn't try to be Tennessee. Uh, other other programs tried to beat Pat Summit at Pat Summit's game, and you almost never did that. Um, but what Vanderbilt did was try to be, okay, we're going to play. We're not going to just necessarily play grinded out SEC basketball. We're going to play our own style of basketball, and it, and it worked. I think Missouri, when they've had the most successes, tried to do that. They kind of, the programs kind of remind me of each other, even though Missouri is obviously much newer in the SEC. But what we saw with, with Stephanie White was Vanderbilt had no identity. You know, they, they really didn't. And it just, uh, you know, it wasn't like the old days where you thought, okay, this is what Vandy does, and they're going to do what they do, and they're going to be hard to guard, and, and that's the way they have success. I think coming from a program that is so, so good offensively, the way UConn has been, is is the kind of identity that, that um, you know, that I think Shea wants to build. Michelle, uh, real quick before we, we let you go, um, just kind of want to go to the WNBA draft for just a moment because we here in Tennessee are big Renaud Davis fans. Uh, and we feel like she has an opportunity to be one of the best players in the WNBA. Uh, it, is Tennessee basketball going to be able to uh, produce more Renai Davises, and is she going to be somebody who can help 
continue bringing in that type of talent to Tennessee by her success? Yeah, I, I do think that they can. I think realistically the days of what we knew of Tennessee basketball we're not going to see again, and I think even Tennessee fans probably know that on some level. Um, I think it, it would be very difficult at this point to replicate what Tennessee was for so many years. That said, I do think Kelly Harper's a, a good coach and, and the right coach for the program. The success that you have in the WNBA for me is something you have to use in recruiting. I had Renaya Davis going higher. I mean, I thought she was a lottery pick. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how that works out. She has the ability. We'd love to see her shoot the three powder. And that's a matter of, you know, working on it. But she has the ability to be, I think, a, a, a successful WNBA player. And if that's the case, again, I think that's something you can use in recruiting. And you can show players, hey, you can – Come here, and and this is a place where you can be successful because that definitely works for Connecticut. You know, they they they're able to say, "Hey, look at our track record here. If you want to go play in the WNBA, this is a great great place to to learn to do that, along with whatever success you're going to have at college." That's Crystal Dangerfield. Uh, excuse me. I said, "Ask Crystal Dangerfield." Yeah, yeah, um, that's absolutely. And and Crystal, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, and, and to me, she's Crystal's one of the one of those stories where I couldn't believe she dropped to the second round. I, you know, I thought, are people, you know, how many times do they have to know that you UConn players produce? Um, and and then she ended up winning Rookie of the Year and you know having a having a really nice season. So you're 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 right about that. But but I think that is something now. If you're a coach and you don't realize how important that is. Even though there's, we, we all know there's not nearly as many players who are going to play in the WNBA as think they're going to play in the WNBA. You have to be able to show players we can prepare you for the next level. No doubt. Michelle Vopel of ESPN.com joining us on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline today. Michelle, thanks so much for taking some time with us and shedding some light on this uh, this coaching situation and uh, Kim Mulkey and everything else that goes along with it, especially. Uh, in the Southeastern Conference, it's going to be th- this year ought to be a lot of fun uh, in the next uh, couple of months. So we'll, we'll we'll certainly be watching recruiting, and next basketball season is going to be a lot of fun to watch here in the Southeastern Conference. Indeed, and and of course the transfer portal. <laughs> That's ah, going to be very interesting to watch too. So thank you for having me. No doubt, no doubt. All right, that is Michelle Vogel of ESPN.com on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk um, about the top five, top five draft busts. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on the draft a little, but then we'll get into our top five draft busts of all time. Should be fun. So stick around with Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. 
When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yow, joined by Mo Patton, Coach Mike on the controls, and we do have our speaker back on the, on the porch. You guys missed it, <laughs> and I wish we had this on video. I missed it. Uh, but it was. I heard it. Uh, I, well, I mean, I didn't see it till it was on the ground. But our, we have a speaker on the front porch, you know, just playing what's coming out of our board here, uh, including our voices. And the wind picked up, as I'm sure you heard in the beginning of that interview. The wind picked up pretty heavy, and one of the hazards of actually being on, on the, the front porch. Front porch. Yeah. yeah, and halfway through that uh, that that segment, the. <laughs> speaker just took a dive <laughs> luckily we had just we've just mulched the front yard and i guess it had a little soft landing spot so that was that was fortunate that 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 was taking place so um never, NFL, never a dull moment never a dull moment no doubt um guys it's nfl draft week and it's the quietest it has run up to the NFL draft that I can remember in outside a long time. of outside of the quarterback issue, like I don't, uh, you've not heard much about, and, and uh, apparently the Falcons are potentially thinking about trading Julio Jones. Apparently, as of yesterday or last night or today or something. I saw something though that if they wait until June first, the cap hit is significantly less, like by eight million bucks, I think. So, um, big difference in in the salary cap impact of a draft day trade of Julio Jones and one further down into the summer. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to because I mean that is a, that is an issue. You have to go. Are we? You know. Do we want draft picks or do we want to trade for someone else specifically? And right now they're sitting at four. And I mean, I don't know if we know if the Falcons want to take a quarterback at four or if they want to trade back. I mean, you can trade. You can trade back because you're not you're not drafting a starting quarterback. You can trade back and get a you know get a, a, a decent quarterback at a. Lower and, pick. And and as great as Kyle Pitts is, is he the fourth best player? Right. Is yeah, he yeah. worthy of the number four pick, which is everything that I've seen that isn't quarterback related for Atlanta? 
I'm really fascinated by the 49ers. I, I think this whole, as, as we learn more about this situation, I think the whole Mac Jones, Trey Lance thing is a smoke screen. I think they're going Justin Fields at three. Because you don't trade up to three and not know who you're going to pick. I think you're right. Um, whether it's Justin Fields or anybody else, they know who they're taking. Uh, you, you don't go up there. And not know. Because you know Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville. You know Zach Wilson is going to the Jets. Vontae Mack, no matter what. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, (laughs) draft day, man. I I just – I can't imagine Justin Fields falling – out of the top five. And, again, I don't think Atlanta's going quarterback unless Fields is there at four. Yeah. Who's got the five? Ooh. Uh, let's see here. I got you right here. It is Cincinnati. They're not taking a quarterback. Not with Joe Burrow coming back off the knee. No, they don't need a quarterback. Miami doesn't need a quarterback. Or at least I don't think they do. They might take one. Yeah, I mean, imagine. it is Miami. Can't imagine they would, but uh, Detroit could use a quarterback. Um, Carolina probably not. No, they just traded for Sam Darnold. Right. Uh, and then Denver could will, will Denver. probably use a quarterback pick on a quarterback because that's what they do. Well, I guess when you've got a quarterback running things, that's what you do is you just. Just keep going. Keep taking fine. quarterbacks till you get one. I guess. Yeah, throw enough stuff against the wall and something will stick. Maybe. Unless you're the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> well. Baker Mayfield finally, but. How long before, did that take? Before that, it was 25 years. So. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. All right. It is time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Mid-South 5 Fitness. Mid-South 5 Fitness has two great locations, one in Franklin, one in Columbia. What in the – are you doing – <laughs> Push all the buttons, Coach. Push all the buttons. Um, yeah, Mid-South 5 Fitness keeping you in shape in Columbia and in Franklin. So, steelathletes.com. That is where you can find Thalius Steel. Thalius Steel, a busy man. Again, he will have a couple of entrants in the grade eight this evening down at Vanderbilt. Roman Woodson in the long jump and Lillian Moore in the um, – 300 hurdles so it's got a lot going on (laughs) all right mo any any honorable mentions before we get started i do have honorable mentions go ahead um got a bunch of quarterbacks tons of quarterbacks tons of quarterbacks make this list um brady quinn Ty blackledge david carr and joey harrington are all see i do not put david carr and, the, and, and he may not deserve that. He, he may really not, doesn't. He, and I, I get so fired up when I see these lists and I see him on it. He may not deserve that. I mean, he was in a bad situation. But relative to what was expected of him, he certainly did not produce. Now, he didn't have any help, but he did not produce. <laughs> certainly didn't have any protection. No, he did not. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Okay. All right. Number five. Number five. My number I'll, five is Trey Alberts. Linebacker from Nebraska. That's and you'll see a trend here. But um. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going with um, 
running back Kajana Carter out of Penn State. He was he was a serviceable running back, but in the in the running back era mm-hmm. of this league, he didn't perform. Yeah, well, he didn't have a lot of help either at Cincinnati. No, no, he didn't. But Especially when you're the, when your quarterback was also another draft bust. <laughs> That's tough. Um, my number four. Former Nebraska running back Lawrence Phillips. And <laughs> this guy's going. <laughs> hey, I, I just think that there's a lot there. Those are my only two Nebraska guys. Oh, but, okay. I mean, um, but there are a bunch of Nebraska guys who did not make it at the next level, and I don't know if that was, you know, scheme. I don't know if that was Tom Osborne. I'm not sure exactly what that was. Maybe they just maximized their talent at the collegiate level. I've seen that with a couple of programs around here at the high school level with guys that were great high school players who didn't really have the impression collegially that you would have expected. We won't call any names. No doubt, no doubt. Your number four? My number four is going to be Matt Leinert. Had everything he needed, just couldn't put it together. Uh, Matt Leinert was the... uh, Tenth pick of the first round in 2006 by Arizona, and just never—he was a serviceable backup. We'll give him that, mm-hmm. but that's it. Matt Liner's my number four. My number three, and you've probably got him higher, but um, Jamarcus Russell. So I don't have him higher because I have him at number three. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Jamarcus Russell. Exact. I mean, he is the. He and Ryan Leaf are the two guys you think about, right? Actually, you will find out soon enough that they're (laughs) not the two guys that I think about. But, yeah, at the quarterback position. And the the world as a whole, those are the two that you go, okay, there's the guys. Mm -hmm. Ryan Leaf is also not on my list. Is he not? Okay, well, he's my number two. Well, there you go. I I just think that all of the – you know, Ryan Leaf or Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf or Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf. Well, one is a Hall of Famer, and the other is Ryan Leaf. So, yeah, he's my number two. My number two is Charles Rogers, wide receiver out of Michigan State, and that's why you're looking at me like, God, I forgot about that guy. No, yeah. no, I remembered him. <laughs> Round one, number two overall pick. To and Detroit. To Detroit. Which, I mean, I think – if you get picked by Detroit, and I know I've got Joey Harrington on my honorable mention, but if you get picked by Detroit, then that just, that just kind of releases you from all responsibilities, I think, just because they have such an awful draft history. The only reason that I say it, they're not is because, and I know Megatron had Matt Stafford, who is a very good quarterback, mm-hmm. but Megatron had no issues being a great player on a terrible team. So... That is that is the reason. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's fair. I mean, I'll give you that. I just it's Detroit. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. All right. Okay, my number one. Number one. My number one. And I have a feeling, having looked at, listened to your top two through five, we may be going the same way with this. I'll be I'll be interested to hear it. Let's see. Offensive lineman Tony Mandarich. No, no, that's not where I was going. Oh, okay. But, yes, Tony Mandarich was a uh, – he, he's on every list. As well right? he should be. 
Um, it's amazing what happens when you can't take shots. Um, my number one hmm? is not on any list that I found anywhere on the internet. Oh, wow. So it's not Heath Shuler. No, it's not. The entire New Orleans Saints franchise was mortgaged. You're not going to call Ricky Williams for a bust. Ricky Williams. I think Ricky Williams, if, if Ricky Williams is a bust, it's only because of Mike Ditka. Uh, exactly. I'm because not, you created unrealistic did, expectations for him. He did create, but, uh, and I guess, I guess so, but yes, but Ricky Williams. If, if he had just been a guy. My he, problem with Ricky Williams was, much like Josh Gordon, he couldn't follow the rules. That, as dumb as the rule is, he, <laughs> he couldn't, couldn't follow them. But again, my thing is, if if you've not traded your entire bank of draft picks for one guy, I don't think it's as glaring when he doesn't necessarily do what you expect. I just think unrealistic expectations were created with that trade. I blame Mike Ditka. I don't disagree with you. I still don't think that Ricky Williams lived up to nearly the expectation. Although I will say, when he went to connect to Canada and came back mm-hmm. at Miami, he was he was Not, serviceable. Yeah, absolutely. He wasn't the number one overall draft pick. He wasn't the number two overall draft pick. But he was a but good running back good, yeah. in a league that was transitioning away from running backs. All right. So he was serviceable, but because of the unrealistic expectations and everything else that goes with it, that is that's it. Here we go. Let's see what you think. Vote in the poll on SM underscore TN Sports on Twitter. Last week, you guys tied. Star Trek and uh, NCIS NCIS were uh, tied for number one. So we'll be back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. Come join us on the front porch. SM TN Sports today. For Maurice Patton, I'm Chris Yao saying have a great day and stay cool, Columbia.